Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com. Hey folks, does your fire department follow any minimum standards in the fire service, or have you created some minimum standards of your own? And are those standards setting up the minimum acceptable performance, or are they setting a benchmark for excellence in your department? Well, that's the question we're going to be talking about on this episode of Tailboard Talk, coming up right after this. Hey, what's up? We're Ruby Summer for Rad. Music is one of the most important things in our life. But nothing is more important than life itself. Good morning, world. It's nice to wake up to another... So when you know your friend should not get behind the wheel, drive them home or call them a cab and give them a Rad My Safe Ride home card. Music lives and so should you. Brought to you by Rad My Safe Ride Home and Shawnee Records. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. Do you? Welcome to Tailboard Talk with Chris Rasmussen, Craig Nelson, and Jeff Wallen. Every month we explore different topics of interest to you, our cohorts in fire and emergency services. So whether you sit back and listen, sound off on the message board, or call in live to be part of the conversation, we welcome you to join us in our mission to improve the fire service for those we serve and those we serve beside. Now coming to you live from the Great White North, this is Tailboard Talk on Fire Engineering Talk Radio. Hey, welcome to Tailboard Talk for Friday, August 4th. I'm Jeff. Craig. And Chris. And you're staring at me as if you wish for me to continue. I wasn't sure where you were going on that. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's one topic I don't really want to go over. Am I, am I missing the obligatory topic to start our show with? You probably should. Oh, holy crap, is it hot out today <laughs> in the great white north. Tell you what. 90 degrees today. It was 96 yesterday. And it amazes me that we can have the kinds of temperature swings that we do here for all. We do this just for our flat. The land is yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's 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 getting to be me. <laughs> Should I tell you about which which parts of my body ache today too? <laughs> well, it's hot. Well, the only good oh, thing about the Midwest is, is uh, it's a dry heat. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> you always hear that. Not from not Arizona. Quite, it's a dry heat. So not quite so, so much. Yeah. No, no. Um, I. Go ahead. It's summer. It's summer across the country, right? It is. We're watching uh, some record heat. Some record heat going all the way across from, uh, you know, obviously west to east. And, uh, you know, I, I have a, a son that's down in Arizona. Has, it's been at this day of 36, 37 days, over 100. I, I don't know how they fight fires down there. I was saying. Thinking about that. Swim trucks? I don't know what you guys Actually, do. You apply water, it turns to steam before it use, hits the building. Use the water? Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know if, that, <laughs> if it was in Phoenix, but somewhere down in that area, they were talking the previous record was like five days, something like yeah. that, at these types of temperatures. And like you said, they're on day whatever. Yeah. Like way past anything we've ever heard of in the past. So you start thinking about, my gosh, fighting fires, even going to medical calls, anything you're doing during the day, tough to stay hydrated. Yeah, it's yeah. Tough, tough to stay cool. Yeah. How do you do anything else? And, and you really can't go out early. Your call volume's yeah, got to be yeah. going through the roof. Yeah. Because yeah. you have that many people <laughs> with heat exhaustion, heat stress, yeah. etc. <clears throat> Stressing the systems of the buildings, all kinds of different 
Yeah. yeah. Well, weren't straight streams developed in Phoenix because the fog nozzles couldn't reach the evaporated? Fog, yeah, they evaporated <laughs> before they get to the fire in the first place. <laughs> well, I've been down there in the middle of summer, and that that's hot. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe you get used to it. This Midwestern guy does not get used to it. It's just the opposite of here in the winter. Yep. Yep. They're in the summer. They're in, inside the mall. They're inside, just like we are in the winter. All right. Any other weather updates, Jeff? Oh, uh, well, I just got back from a family trip to Seattle for a wedding, and it's just amazing to be in a part of the country that isn't flat, because yeah. right here we are in a flat, flat glacial river basin. It's, it's the flattest place I have ever seen consistently. Um, but I realized when I got out there that when we were driving, we were either going uphill or downhill all the time. No. Hardly ever going straight. So when you got to a straight piece, it's like, whoa, what's this? But that's my fir first observation. And the second one was, it's amazing in the residential neighborhoods there in a, in a lot of Seattle that it's it's just homes built into old growth forest neighborhoods in these hilly areas. I just have a hard time comprehending it, but it's just so beautiful to have big, huge evergreens. Yeah that houses are nestled into, you know, cut a few of them off and keep everything else there because you're, you're wanting it to be in that environment. And everything was green. I'm sure if I studied the physics of, hey, do they have wildfire problems up there or not? <laughs> so many was, but everything seems intact and they don't seem to have the problems other places do. But it was just beautiful to be in a different area. And it was hot there too. It got up into the 80s. Oh, into the 80s, yeah. Had some elevation, I suppose, in there and that, that helps. Well, good. Yeah. We, could, we could definitely... Uh, Watch the slideshow from your family trip if everyone's interested in that. But. Oh, sure. I'll get it set up. I'll put a link in the show notes and then you can go ahead. <laughs> oh, you bet, Kay. Yeah, go on there and check it out there. We got the, I videoed the whole wedding ceremony. I'm already bored, Jeff. Oh, yeah, she, was, yeah. oh she was a beaut, <laughs> I tell you what. Beautiful bride? Oh, you yeah. You lost me at summer weather. But she was cute as a dickens, I tell you. <laughs> God, yeah. Actually, you did because I'm old, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. What's uh, on your mind today, Jeff? Well, you know, the, the weather's relative, right? So heat here is different than heat in Phoenix and taken different than in Seattle. So part of it's kind of what standards are you judging the weather from for where you're at? It's probably one, way, one way to look at it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yep. So the, what might be acceptable there is not acceptable here. And uh, I was reading an article online by Corley Moore. Um, on the dichotomy of minimum standards, which is just published on Fire Engineering on the 21st of July here, so it's pretty darn new, where he kind of talks about standards in the fire service and proposes a couple different theories. And one of them is, do minimum standards in the fire service, say, breed mediocrity? Those aren't his words exactly, but are minimum standards keeping our performance more towards the minimum if we're just striving to meet the standards that are there? than how we could excel if we said what we really want. Th that's a topic. Discuss. <laughs> Just going to throw out minimum? Yeah. Minimum standards. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pause here to protect my words. Because minimum standards anger me. Ah. Um, they are just that. They are minimum. So to be a firefighter, you need to meet a minimum standard. To be a, a player on a high school football team, you need to meet a minimum standard. Mm -hmm. But if you want to be the main player, the star, the uh, the goal setter, the coach, the you mm -hmm. know the quarterback, whatever you want to be, you got to be above minimum standards. You got to strive for above minimum standards. So minimum standards to me says yes, you are a fireman. You meet these minimum standards. 
Okay. But does that make you a firefighter? I'm not sure. In the article here, he quotes uh, Mike Walker. Um, one of his favorite quotes that he uses over and over again in a lot of his presentations. Uh, the minimum standard is one small step above inadequate. It's a good quote. Yeah, it's a, it's a really thought-provoking statement when you just throw that out on the table. It, uh, I use the term kindergarten a lot on the fire service. That's right. kindergarten. Minimum standards are kindergarten stuff. And you have to be, have mm -hmm. to be able to read, right, you know, in, in kindergarten or learn those skills. Okay. And then as you advance up through education, you learn advanced skills. So I think that's something that people need to look at. I, I agree that you should have a minimum standard because there are some uh, communities that don't ask for anything more. Mm -hmm. You know, really, there are. That's that's what they want. That's the minimum. They want a fire department down there. They don't want them to do anything other than respond to fires, uh, stop the spread of fires or whatever. So that's that's their minimum standard. They're very happy with that. Okay. And then there's other departments across the country, I think, that expect more of their departments. Sure. Helping with uh, ISO ratings. Maybe doing some fire prevention stuff. Maybe training to higher levels. Doing those kind of things mm -hmm. that... It's what some communities are expecting their department to do. Okay. So you got minimum standards. All I want you to do is hang around, spray some water on the fire if we have one, one or two a year or whatever, mm -hmm. burn it out. And then you have some major departments that have a lot of complex incidents that go on in their communities that they need to take care of and train. Sure. Way above the minimum standard. You know, there are a few <clears throat> legal minimum standards in the state of Minnesota anyways are rather interesting. One of them is to uh, to be an organized fire department, you have to train at least annually. Sure. Is the minimum, and it's and it's written into Minnesota state statutes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's the that could be considered a minimum standard in Minnesota. If you don't train at least annually, the state will not recognize you as an organized fire department. Yeah. If you swat at least one fly per show, <laughs> <laughs> you'll meet the minimum standards. I, I love it. Sometimes. So I, I get that. I mean, I understand yep. the minimum standards are there. I understand why they're there. Yeah. You know, I, I uh, also belong to a department in a small community outside the metro area. Mm -hmm. Our standards are different than the department I'm paid to work Sure. Yeah, doesn't mean it's good or bad. No, it's what the community wants, right? Yeah. The other second part to that, that standard on training was if you... Want to be a fire department that does interior structural firefighting in the state of Minnesota? You have to train at least quarterly. Sure, doesn't say <laughs> one on. So, I mean, any fire department paid on call or or at whatever level, thinking the idea of only having four training drills a year to say I'm prepared enough to be able to do that. Right. It could happen depending on how long you trained each of those four times or what you trained on. But but there there it doesn't say that the minimum standard is also necessarily bad. I guess because in your community, if you're trying to limit the fire spread to the building of origin and stop that from extending out into a wildfire that can take out a large area or take out multiple homes in town, that that might be a very acceptable and worthwhile standard to be living up. So what, what do you, we, we're talking about minimum standards. Maybe we should define what we're, what a minimum standard is. Like, what are you guys, what are you thinking a minimum standard is? Well, it, this, this has kind of my mind just spinning. Yeah, all over. <laughs> and especially this article because it's talking about two very different quotes. And I, and I really struggle with the second quote, I'll take coasters all day long. That's kind of the opposite of what I guess I would normally look at. Um, and I, I understand the quote, I get it. But it, so it, 
I'm not saying it's wrong either. It just it, it has my mind spinning. But we normally set like where we're at in Fargo, we set our standards to follow NFPA, ISO, the typical standard national, international standards you're going to find everywhere. Um, so there's no nothing shocking in there, nothing surprising. So that's the basis of what we're talking about, minimum standards, NFPA yeah. standards. Yeah. So you, yeah. So you, you kind of go, okay, what well, is that? It, and so that what it takes me to is why. Yeah. Why is that the minimum standard? And why? And, and we ask this of our, our recruits in our academy and our, and our personnel as we train them. Why do we train? Because a lot, a lot of times we skip over this. We just assume everybody knows. Why do right. we train? Right. We train so that you can perform your job well so you can do it safely and effectively so you're proficient at your job so you're going to be more effective to the citizens you're trying to save and you're going to do it more safely so there's a better chance you're going to go home at the end of your shift uh, and so i think anytime you have a discussion like this you have to you have to take it from the angle of what What's, if you're talking about a minimum standard, because again, two quotes, one saying that the minimum is the bare minimum, and I, I kind of lean toward that one makes more sense to me. Yeah. The other one is, well, no, the minimum is set to make sure that you are proficient. So if you're meeting the minimum standards, you're proficient. And I come back to, are you proficient is really the bottom line. And that comes down to, it's very difficult to say just because a person attends a certain number of hours of training right. that they're proficient. It really comes down to the individual and or the crew and their supervisor, their their lieutenant, their captain, their bat chief, etc., to make sure that they are proficient. And most of those standards are written that way, right? Yeah. Proficient in this, this, yes. and this. Hazmat standards, proficient in this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. So who decides if you're proficient? Yeah. Who decides what level is the minimum standard? Because you have one guy that's saying, well, yeah, I know what, as an example of the hazmat, I know how to use a monitor, air monitoring device. And then the other guy says, well, the minimum standard to me is, you know how to use 12 of them, and you're an expert in them, and this and that. So how do you set it? Mm -hmm. Standards are in. Do you understand the philosophy of, of this, or can you complete this task? But yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Minimum standards, are not anything I ever, anytime you use the word minimum in front of a word to me, bothers me. Yeah. Uh, because there is, I, I, I have a problem with not having a clear definition of what a minimum yeah. standard means. Yeah. We've been talking about it here, um, but there are people that will assume the NFPA standard is a minimum. Right. And there are those who will say legal requirements or precedent are, are the minimums yeah. or departmental standards are the minimums after a community analysis. Uh, it's hard to argue when you're, when you're not talking about the same term and you, right. you don't have agreement on it. Uh, in, in Minnesota, the only duty a fire chief has to perform is to cause, is to investigate or cause to be investigated the cause of any fire in their jurisdiction. But after that, as long as the fire chief has done that, they've met all their legal requirements. Right. As being the head of their department. I don't know why they department. get paid so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I. Sounded like a dig, I think. So I, asking <laughs> that. <laughs> um, I like to think I perform above the minimum. adopt the standards, though, right? So yeah. I'm not, we're not just saying. All departments have to follow the NFPA standard or something. Yeah. They have, they, you know, they, you have to adopt it. Department of Fire has adopted the NFPA standards. 
So that's that's what we're saying is our minimum standard. And how have you adopted? How has the Fargo Fire Department adopted standards with the community? What process did you go through to identify what they are uh, and to publicize? Right, I think the chief has just come out and said that we're going to follow these standards. Mm-hmm. You know, he's made those statements in commission meetings or whatever. You know, these yep. are the standards we follow. Mm-hmm. The city has accepted that, bought okay. it, or you know. Uh, adopted that also. Well, that's maybe not, maybe not legally, you know, on paper, but th- that's right. one of the big pieces that accreditation pushes you toward is that you're you're forwarding this information to your governing body, yeah. whether it's a commission, a council, whatever it is, an authority board, uh, that you're you're letting them know this is the standard we aspire to, or that we are we are trying to maintain, and you communicate that to them. This is how we do it. And they accept it or they don't accept it or whatever. But, right. but making sure you're communicating to that to them because really it's up to them to choose what level of service they receive. Yeah. That's not it's as much as the fire chief and myself right. and all of us talking here tonight would advocate for more training, more more everything for the fire service. It's for safety of the, the community, the citizens, etc. It's really up to the, the mayor, the commission. Like, the council, the board, etc., to decide what they're willing to pay for and what they what they expect. Right. Yeah, it'd be easy for the uh, fire chief to walk in and say, "I want to be a, a FEMA Type One technical rescue team. I want to have the, this top mm-hmm. the line hazmat team. I want to have drone teams. I want to have water rescue. I want to have all these standards." And this, the mayor goes, "Well, I'm not paying for it." And then that kind of kills it off. It, so it, that goes back to the beginning when yeah, I said, right. "What's the minimum standards? What's your community want?" And I, I think that's an important avenue that that the chiefs a lot of times are in on and communicate with the community, but the rest of the department doesn't always know about it or hear about it, et cetera. And yeah. I think we, we need to get better mm-hmm. at communicating that. Uh, and I say that as I haven't really done a lot of that communicating with the rest of the department, but I'm in on a lot of the stuff that our chief uh, has in conversations with them. And so I know, oh yeah, he presented that to them. Well, we... we I should, or one of us should really be telling the rest of the department so they know, oh, wow, he's, he's doing that. Because really, I know of communities where the expectation is laid out very highly. There are some communities that have said, we expect all of our city departments to be accredited. So you will be accredited. You will be ISO 1. You will, you will aspire to this level if you're our fire department. And the vast majority, I think, of communities out there have not addressed that yet. But they're starting to. They're starting to ask those questions. And, and so, they it, again, it's up to them to choose what level of service do they expect. Well, when your city you. governance or government or commission or whatever says you will be accredited, you will be an ISO 1, they're also saying we will pay money, we will support this. They need, they need to support and, it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Need to support it. You can't say yeah. it. you have to be the, you know, the top of everything possible out there and we're not going to pay for it. But you have to figure that out. Right. No, no chief's going to stick around for that. Yeah. No fireman's going to stick around for that. So I, I like the idea that the minimum standard is what your community determines yeah. that it is yeah. within your department. Um, wh- one issue you could throw out there without naming any department in particular is apparatus staff. Sure. So engine companies and ladder companies, to put it in the simplest terms, and there are recommendations from NFPA about staffing levels. Um, but there's also guidance about what can be done at different staffing levels that supports the document. And so what's the appropriate apparatus staffing on an engine company? Is it 
one person per engine. I'm being ridiculous, except there are some jurisdictions sure. where that's the model. One person gets the engine out to the walks. scene and the other folks respond out there to build the crews as you can based on who's available. Um, is too, too appropriate. And, you know, even in like certain fingers of municipalities, there might be areas that aren't fully developed or are in weird places where you need somebody to start, but we can't afford due to call volumes sure. or whatever, a full company to be there. But this one has a two person company is three person, right? Which is the most common form of apparatus staffing. I think followed secondly by four. I can't recall like the last survey I did if it was four or if it was two, that was the next most common. But people will argue that Four-person engine companies are much more effective, and that should be the standard that we follow. But wow. there, there are costs yeah. that come along with each of these things. Yeah. So for the small community that can afford one full-time person a day to take a lot of incidents that don't that paid-on-call folks don't have to come in for, that's what they can afford. A community maybe can only afford three-person staffing. If we're doing four, there's a finite cost, say $65,000 annually per position times however many apparatus or stations that you've got and figure out, can we afford to do that? And that's where the community has to decide and weigh in. And, uh, yeah, and then that, that right there sets your minimum standard. Yeah. So the fact that there are standards that are out there or recommendations from one body or another yeah. doesn't necessarily make it that minimum yeah. standard for, for your Yeah, your department. minimum standard could be we don't want you guys to do anything but make sure the trucks run and respond to fires. Mm -hmm. Minimum standard. You know? So I think that's, that's the, the biggest thing. Now, I'm a strong believer in FBA standards. Yeah, I do think that should be the minimum standard. I, I think it's good to have Not the minimal. Gen generally, I would agree with that. And where you where you can't, there should be some justification for why. Because right. some standards might not be appropriate for your community. Yeah. You can adopt some standards. You don't have to adopt all standards, right? No. So you want to, we want to follow like fifteen hundred. We want to follow this number. We want to follow that number. We're not adding hazmat. We're not adding technical rescue. And I, that's the community. I think it needs to be looked at as it's a minimum to become or maintain proficiency. Yeah. And the key is proficiency. So you're going to need this many hours to maintain proficiency. You might need more. Some people might need a little less, yeah. but the key should be proficiency. And that's what we should be measuring on the training ground. And, and, and in my career, I've seen us move continuously more toward the proficiency model and more away from the bare minimum. The bare minimum model always just has driven me nuts um, because I, I've been in too many training sessions where we do the bare minimum and go, yep, we did it. Everybody's good. Yeah. So you take a, a, an apparatus operator course and you do the bare minimum. And then I'm out on the fire ground and I see people that can't get water, that steam pumps, that have multiple issues. And, and there's no reason for that. And it's because we, we kind of shortchanged the training in the beginning. And I see less of that now. I see the, the training. I see our people performing at continuously higher levels, which, again, is what we want. That's It's moving that direction. Uh, and so I think it comes down to proficiency. So there should be an element of not necessarily testing, but skills verification on the training ground. And that, that's one thing accreditation does have in the performance indicates. You know, how do you verify that people meet the standards, that they meet the skills? Mm -hmm. And so we rely on our training captains to, yep, if it wasn't performed to standard, then you're going to have to do it again. And so you might need a little extra time with some people and you might get it done earlier with others, but it should still come back to the proficiency. Aspect. And some, I mean, most of that training can get done in-house, right? 
Yep. But but we also send there's also other places, you know, Hazmat goes out to Teaks or, or some of the uh, like Anaspin or Nevada those classes mm-hmm. and you're testing on <clears throat> minimum standards outside the agency looking at you saying yeah you meet the minimum standards which is a good thing. Yep. Pro board all those kind of things. Yeah, and those standards are evolutionary too, sure. right? Because um, you guys are performing at higher levels now than you were 10 years ago. Right. The focused effort on consistently meeting the next standard benchmark that, that you guys were hoping yeah. to achieve and then having a vision or having a strategic plan to say, here's where we're moving though. Here's the direction that that bar is being raised yeah, or lowered to, right. but usually raised to, to respond to community need, to respond to our increasing level of proficiency yeah. that if we can support that, now we want to stretch to reach the next goal of, getting a higher level of performance in this area and having that become maybe our new minimum standard. And so the opposing, the opposing comment in this article kind of speaks to that, that maybe if your standards get set high enough for what you want people to perform at, you can't say that the minimum is a dull standard. It can be an actually very high level of performance if that's what you're going to set as a minimum bar for your organization or agency. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's the quote that he's throwing out there is, yeah, is that not necessarily uh, the minimum standard stuff? Yeah, and I, like the, I was thinking about that. I think it's the coasters, the word coaster. Yeah, the coaster. I don't like the word coaster because uh, we shouldn't have coasters. I don't think we have very many coasters in the fire service. Yeah. But the, the word bothers me. That's not a. Uh, it has other connotations that come yes. along with it. Yep, it kind of yeah. says you're not meeting the minimum standard and you're you're not treating it the way you should. And, and really, what he's saying is, if they're meeting the standard. Then they're doing a good job, and so and I don't disagree. Setting, with that setting at all. the standard yeah. so high. If, if your standards yeah. are high, if you meet that community's minimum standard, you're a rock star. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. I understand the quote, and uh, but yeah, the wording, the coaster, uh, minimum coasters. Those words, yeah, they torque me off too. So. Intended to generate discussion and interest. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, the idea. Very much so, and it, it, it's he's challenging. Uh, they're they're yes. challenging you out there to think about. Yep. What, what he's talking about. Yeah. So it's very good. Uh, it's a good article. Mm-hmm. I really I do appreciate both of them, their viewpoints. Yeah, I, I love the article. And, it, and it, like he says in the article, I agree with both of them. They're both correct. They're both yeah. good quotes. That it, uh, and they spur discussion, which I continually think that's one of the best things you can do is get people to think. Uh, it, instead of telling people what you think or what they should do, I think we need to do a lot more asking them questions to get them to think and reflect. And that's exactly what these quotes do. Is they, they make you reflect and think about it. And, and what you're doing, each individual firefighter, but each officer, each training officer, each battalion chief, each everybody in the organization, how am I making sure that our people are proficient? Yeah. I can think of one area where that second quote I, I would buy into wholeheartedly, and we're, we're striving to try to reduce our ISO level um, in our department by by one rating point from where we're at now. We have identified that we can't we can't get there without maximizing the training credits across our organization. So that has to happen for us to be able to do that, and we have we have been. Um, maxing out that training credit this year. We started with the idea of maxing it out last year, part way into the year, and. I mean, that's well above the minimum standard, except it's the minimum standard we've set to reach a certain goal that we have. And if we can get most of our department to that minimum standard, I'm going to be incredibly happy that we're at the minimums. 
And a lot of people will be doing more, and I guess I could buy into a statement a little bit in that if every single member of our department met that minimum, even though some people are way outperforming that, I would be super happy because it's going to achieve the goal that we want to have. Although I'm not using that one word to go along with that. But yeah. Uh, so, so I can see some validity. You're saying, Jeff, you, you guys are changing your minimum standard. Yes. Okay. And it was a huge change as well, too, sure. and a difficult change. And it was definitely a reach goal for us at first that was thought to be impossible until some people start to meet it and you say, maybe it's not impossible. And I have to change my thought process or change what I document in training or what I consider to be training, the things that we've been training on, but we didn't think of them as training. But it is, honest to gosh, we were training and not, not capturing it or not doing reports on the, and when we were doing bona fide training, you know, that out in the field. And so ways that you can reach the standard without saying that I'm going to have to do it in the hardest possible way ever. And if I don't meet it in the hardest possible way ever, there's no way we can make, we can meet it. Yeah, there are other ways to meet the goal. It doesn't have to be in just one, the most difficult, torturous way to do something. You can change the thought process and find out that, oh, a goal might be met in different ways, too. Or so you, you change, change your minimum standard because your community wants something. It was actually, yes, it, it went through a strategic planning process with our city council on citywide strategic goals. And that was a goal identified by the city council to reduce our ISO rating by one point. Right. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, sense, community, right? community set the standard. Mm -hmm. And not to put you on the spot here, but Please. Then, then how, and I know we're probably nearing the end of the show here, but yeah. then how, how did you communicate that to your folks? And, and then how did that go? Yeah, sure, very poorly. Okay. <laughs> and that's why I asked, not we all yeah, judgingly, yeah. Because, because I know we've done this and I'm guilty. Yeah. I haven't communicated things always very effectively or the way I should, or, or sometimes at all you forget to do it. And, and I'm, I'm trying to get much better at the why. Because usually if you, if you explain why, people are a lot more on board with it. Yep. So now I'm trying to start with the why, but every once in a while I still forget and I don't. No, and even when that was set as a standard, and I was not part of the group that came up with these decisions at the time about where we're at. It wasn't communicated well to begin with at some point in time. I became, became familiar with it. Oh, that's nice to know as a mid-upper level chief officer in the organization. And when we started talking about it, we talked about here's some goals that we have. And we set it as a departmental goal so we could meet the city goal without really saying that, hey, this this was discussed amongst the council and the mayor and the city manager. And they're all on board for whatever we need to do to reduce the standard to have an impact to our commercial customers in town, potentially. These things just, you know, the thought about translating the overall impact about this and why just doesn't come into well. I know that. Wouldn't you know that? What right. is, wouldn't it be that easy? And yeah. how many times do you we have to communicate the message over and over again? Yeah. 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 You, yeah, you assume everybody else knows why and they understand why, and, and and that's why we forget to do it a lot of the time. That's why we don't. Yeah. And again, I'm trying to. And it's that balancing that line with, well, why are you telling us this? We all know this. You know, you don't want to be that guy either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's easy yeah. to forget because because there's so much stuff going on. And again, I mean communication. Is that ever an issue? Yeah, that, it's so it's so much more difficult than than I guess I always thought it would be, uh, especially as you, you go to the higher levels in the organization. There's more stuff to weed through and figure out what do you communicate, and it's it's not that you're hiding stuff; it's that you know they don't want to hear everything. Yeah, and, and the world that you live in, the information that you go through, you just assume everybody knows it because you've been living in it at your level and don't yeah. don't realize the people that don't know or that you talk about it just briefly because you've talked about it briefly and more in depth but 
20, 30 times already. And you just assume the whole world is where you are. I and then you get lost in the minutiae of all the other things you're trying to do. And always, it just gets lost in the crowds. Not this current chief that I have, but the chief before we used to fight like all the time. Mm-hmm. And the only time we ever stopped fighting was when he explained the why. And I'm like, well, you should have told me that a month yeah, ago. You yeah. started with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have wasted the last time. Yeah, month. exactly. Because I, I didn't know what he knew. You know what he knew. So, <laughs> so yeah, minimum standards are what your community has dictated or asked for, what your department and employees have asked for. Um, those can change. The levels can change. The standards you follow can change. Yeah. Uh, we use ISO and NFPA standards, different things. So, I think I think this is a good article. I think it gets people thinking. I think a few things that Craig's mentioned that maybe we don't communicate enough. The whys to down why we have minimum yeah. standards, or why our minimum standards are, might be higher than minimum, mm-hmm. or why they're lower than minimum, or whatever. So, I think it's a good idea to sit around your fire all tables, look at these articles. And, and talk about them. And I guarantee someone in the room knows why we have minimum standards. Yep. So, and, and so bring thing, it out, talk about it. I would yeah. encourage to any listeners out there is, is again, we, we're not ever trying to hide stuff. It's a, We're trying to prevent you from having to have just a massive amount of emails, a massive amount of information, because we know that's not what you want. Uh, I know I don't want that. And so we weed through it, and sometimes we cut too much out because we think you you know that piece of it. And so if you, you're ever missing information or you don't know the why, ask your supervisor. And if your supervisor doesn't know, then please, if you're a supervisor, then ask your supervisor. Eventually, you will get to a point up the chain where somebody knows the why. If you don't, and it, you shouldn't be embarrassed about it. No. it that's, there are questions all day, every day that people have. Ask them up until you get to the right person. And we have no problem explaining the why. I, I want everybody to know the why because it, then it helps them do their job better. I have a few different quotes that I've got on a little lower desk drawer that just mostly I can see when I'm sitting at the desk. And I just sent myself an email to just add one more thing to that, just one word, why. Yeah. And I've, I've realized this over and over again. I don't know how many times in the last two years, explain the why. Yeah. To go, we've, we've said it on our shows here before, and then you get busy with life and everything else and you kind of forget that thing again that it's so important to do that and do that up front very early in the part of the conversation maybe the this is what we're doing this is why let's talk a little bit more about how it's going to work so you can get those things up front because the why ends up getting pushed way to the very end a lot of times in the conversations yeah. i don't think to do that sometimes up front. the why and i've learned this one the hard way the why was because the mayor said so mm-hmm Okay. <laughs> yeah. Done that deal. Can, that be okay. It can be as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Now you might be able to tell the mayor why you can't do that. But that's <laughs> the why thing again, right? Ex- yeah. You know, communication and talk. So, no, I think obviously minimum standards need to be out there. Your community sets your minimum standards. You decide what you adopt. Well, I think that's exactly. It's, it's a good starting point of this is what it takes. Maybe the the bulk of people to be maintain proficiency because you're gonna have newer people. And, Older people that, so you have different experience levels and so forth. So this is a good starting point. But what's really nice is to not have, what I don't like is when we set a bare minimum and then we're like, well, that's it. It's done and forget about it. No, let's set that minimum. And then if some people need a little bit more time or help, let's give them that more time, that more help, whether it's with their crew individually or 
at the training ground with training officers, whatever the situation is, let, let's adapt it to what people need. Make them comfortable with their equipment and their tools. So I, I hate uh, people say we're just checking boxes. That drives me absolutely <laughs> yep, crazy. Exactly. We're just checking boxes to meet the standards. Well, don't check that box so fast. Make sure the employee can meet the standards. Yes. Mm. Yeah. You know, think about that. And I'm not, that, trust me, there's a time in my career that maybe the box shouldn't have been checked. <laughs> I should have had some extra work, you know, so I'm not above that, you know, or, or beyond that. So uh, maybe we don't check the box so fast. It says here you got to be proficient, not just sitting in the room, watching training, you know. Recording a podcast. Recording, Whatever. Yeah. Moving around. You know, we set a minimum standard for the podcast that we wanted to go at least 20 minutes. I'm not sure if we wrote it down anywhere. We made everybody aware. Of that's it. what the community wants. Absolutely. Yeah. No more that's than what 20 minutes. <laughs> the first few shows in a couple hours. Yeah. <laughs> no more than 20 minutes, that's for sure. Yeah, and this one has gone 34. So I don't know if we're in there, we're performing well because we're much above the standard or... This is now starting to get to be too much. I think we better get out of here. It's like a mini-max standard. No more, no less. 20 minutes, cut it off. Are for all those people up in this northern Midwest part of the country where you have these long drives. It's a long drive from Minnesota, Fargo, North Dakota to Montana. Yeah, we got to listen. you got a lot of hours you got to kill, so you need those podcasts to last you. (laughs) Trying to help with We get over 40 minutes, Jeff. I don't remember what we started the conversation with, so. Oh, yeah, that's true. Do you think these podcasts get longer in the winter when we're kind of tucked in and and they're shorter in the summer when we want to get out and do something? asking, why are we doing this podcast? Yeah, why are we doing this? Why? Why? It's it's nice, though. Why the hell are we here? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, to wrap it up. Check out the article. I think it's very good. The dichotomy of minimum standards. Uh, very good article. It's good. It's worth a worth a chat around the table. Yeah. Uh, ask the wise. Ask the wise. Yeah. After you're done listening to this, bring it up with the crews. Talk about his groups. Spread the word. All right. With with that, I will want to leave here and go do something nice instead of this. So <laughs> we'll be back in about four or five weeks. Stay safe till then. Stay cool till then. Good luck. Yeah. And this is, yeah. Closing out another edition of Tailboard Talk and Fire Engineering Talk Radio. See ya. Good night. Thank you for listening to Tailboard Talk. Don't forget to tune in each week, Monday through Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Pacific for Fire Engineering Talk Radio. You can also subscribe to all of our shows on iTunes. Just search for Fire Engineering Talk Radio. Check out our education programs and consultation services. They're all available at tailboardconsulting.com. There you can find links to all of our shows and our magazine articles. Thanks for listening and join us again next month for another episode of Tailboard Talk on Fire Engineering Talk Radio. Thank you.